0: Well, good evening. This is a new table and it doesn't adjust. Okay, so I have to, we have to discuss this because it was something that me and Mr. Chad talked about earlier. Let's see if this mic will work. How about now? Is the mic on? A little bit. Okay, so this bottle right here. This is the best way to explain my sermon preparation. Let me explain to you. Let me explain to you why. Because like two days ago... Um, I was looking for this bottle. When my mind is set on something, my mind has to be settled before it will move on to something else. Mr. Chad can attest to this because he was actually on the phone with me earlier when I was looking for this bottle as I was physically talking to him. Um, This is a two-day adventure. I knew I had it, but I found it. But my point is, is I couldn't get past looking for that bottle without finding that bottle to the point to where I looked on Amazon today and I was like, well, I found the bottle. It's right here. It'll be here in two days. But I didn't do that because I knew that I had the bottle. Well, that's the way that my or my or my my uh, sermon preparation goes a lot is I'll get hung up on things and until I have a clear focus on what that passage says, I have a hard time moving on. Like if it's a, like today we're working on five, uh, verses and I'll spend a day on a verse. And that's, that's a, that's a solid four to five hours on one verse. Even if it's just the way the second Thessalonians opens up with just a greeting, I will spend that much time on it because I'll look for things in there that probably don't exist, but The way that I want to say it or clarify it, I have to work through my head sometimes. My kids told me this joke once and it said, I talked to my daughter or I talked to my doctor and he (laughs) said, he said, I don't know what HD is, but I got 80 of them. So that's how I like to live my life, right? I like to, uh, to, to just, I guess, get lost in the noise. Anybody else like that? Anybody else live that life. I got any brothers or sisters in here that live that life? Mostly adults, undiagnosed ADD. It's cool. So tonight we're going to be talking about, uh, like I said last week or the, earlier, we're out of 1 Thessalonians. Um, I read something earlier and I wrote it down and it's from a very old website back in 2015. But it was a guy that wrote a blog and he wrote this specifically and I want to read it because I thought it was really cool. Uh, there's some, some stuff in the beginning, but I want to read the second part of it. And he says, the story, this is, he here's some context. The story, or what he's talking about, is the city of Thessalonica. This is what he's talking about. We've talked about it before, the background of it, what they went through, but this is what he says. He says, the story that needs to be told is the story of that group of people who listened to Paul and believed in the Lord for three short weeks he and Silas preached there. Remember, they were there for three Sabbaths, and that's three Sundays, or three weeks, Every Sunday they went to church and Paul preached and people listened. And actually, the people that didn't believe him probably listened more. But it says, it says, in three short weeks he and Silas preached there with Timothy uh, of Asia. And it is these, or it says, it is those people existing, believing, and gathering who truly enacted the greatest change ever in all Western history, along with believers in all of the churches the first century believers of Thessalonica after, key word, after Paul left them. And he wrote, this is that story which needs to be told, the story of the church of Thessalonica. What we're going to find out in Second Thessalonians is that it talks a lot about end times, eschatology, which we've talked about, but it also talks a lot about idleness. Um, it talks about persecution of the church, and we'll talk a little bit about that today, uh, but it was funny because I sent mr. Chad a message as I was I think I was getting out of my truck and it was a a pastor that we follow and what, what the guy said was the more the church is persecuted the more the church grows like legit 20 minutes before I watched this video I wrote that in my notes somewhere good luck finding it but it's in there but I wrote that in my notes because it's the truth and when we get to that we'll talk about that a little bit so let's uh I wrote a question down. This is going to be kind of down the line, but it's, a, it's still an interesting question. It says, have you ever done chores for something that you knew was coming? Of course, we, we all did, right? There was a gift or something in the end. But I wrote, and then slow down, because you knew you'd end up getting whatever it was anyway. Anybody in here guilty of that? I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm in church. I want to be as honest I can as me. 100%. Yeah. Raise your hand, son. Raise your hand, McKenna. Um, But I think this is what we're going to see is with uh, a letter that we're going to talk about in in the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians, the church started to get lazy, right? And last week, Mr. Chad was talking about uh, stop playing games with your faith. We talked about that from D-NOW, and there's a lot of messages that Pastor Joe spoke and preach that we are still using. And they actually run right in line with Scripture because Scripture interprets Scripture, right? But it says, well, that's part of Paul's message to the church in his second letter. The first letter to the church was a warm hug and a reminder of all the things they were doing good. And he encourages them to keep going. Keep going. Remember, he said, do more and more. These are readers, and I really shouldn't look at you with these because now I'm blind. But he says, do more and more. And the second letter of the church is a hard reminder, a warning. And an encouragement to keep going. Here it is. Even under persecution, the church must persevere. The more the church is persecuted, the more it grows. So open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. Let's crack this baby open. I need somebody to read. <laughs> yes. Chase Brimhall's going to read. Come on up, Chase. Yeah. Let's go. So, Second Thessalonians verses one through five. One through five. Everybody, please stand for the reading of God's word. Let's go. <laughs> go ahead. Second oh, okay. Thessalonians one through five. Yeah, I don't know if there's one that works. Oh. No, you can't.
1: The man of walllessness, walllessness.
0: Now concerning the Second Thessalonians one, one through five. It's <laughs> cool, bro. Hey, hey, that's in like two weeks. Come back. I mean, okay.
1: go ahead. Greeting, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving. We we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions, and in the aff- afflictions that you are enduring. You want to pray? Oh, one more. One more. You said two, five,
0: right? Just five, yeah.
1: Okay. The judgment of Christ coming, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering.
0: Can want pray? Yeah. Let's go.
1: Dear God, thank you for allowing us all to be here, and you, allowing us to listen to your word and learn from it. I pray that you just speak through me and and we're all able to take a lesson home and apply it to our lives. Thank God, amen
0: amen. Everybody give it up for Chase. So if you don't know uh, Chase, um, he was a, he, he's, he's still an, an ha- a half acting member of our student ministry, but he's currently in college learning to be a brain surgeon. Um, that's also a joke. So, but he's extremely smart. All right. So Who who wrote the book of 2nd Thessalonians? Very good. Who said Jesus? Okay. Well, I don't know. Paul. Okay, when was it written? long time. When was 1st Thessalonians written? Right. So 51 AD. Okay, here we go. Uh, who was it written or where was it written from and who was it written to? we've been listen we've done this for three months and y'all don't know these answers we're we're gonna talk about this in the end and then uh, why was it written well it was written to reassure the church or reassure the church concerning what there you go, to warn, We'll go with that. To reassure the church concerning the last days, also written to stop items. So the first verse, uh, I'll read it again real quick, and then we'll get to the first verse. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Uh, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because of your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves uh, boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God uh, for which you are also suffering. So that first verse, so he says, so Paul, Sylvanus, Timothy, and the church to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pay attention how that's written. And I'm going to read the first verse of 1 Thessalonians also. And it says, how he words it, he says, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, same guys, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. He says, To the church of, Thess- or to the church of Thessalonians in God, our Father. Well, that changes things. Let's talk about the three characters we're looking at here. Paul was Saul. He was a former persecutor of Jews, and he was converted on the road to Damascus by his interaction with Jesus in Acts 9. I wrote a question here, and I'm wondering if anybody's ever seen it. And it says, Have you ever seen a hawk smash a pigeon? Like... For those that have never seen it, please let me explain it to you because it is amazing. We used to live, uh, actually we still live in the woods, but we used to live behind uh, woods. Woods were behind us and there was a hawk that hung out a lot in our backyard. And so what happened one day was we were looking out, I can't remember which child of mine was looking out and watching this happen, but it was amazing. I looked out and there was a pigeon walking across the back right along the tree line. And this hawk came out of absolutely nowhere and smashed this pigeon like a perfect ring of feathers. It was amazing. Science is awesome. Just completely smashed this pigeon. It was awesome. Pigeon. The pigeon didn't make it. Um, But when I was thinking about this earlier and I was reading through Acts 9 and I was reading how Paul was walking down and then all of a sudden, boom, the sunlight. hit him and he's blind. I'm like, Paul was that pigeon he got smashed by a hawk, but Paul was turned into Saul and that pigeon was turned into food. So I just thought that was cool. I don't know why I think of these stories. So Sil- so Silvanus or Silas was a faithful servant of Christ and one of Paul's closest friends and traveling companions. Silvanus stayed alongside Paul, even under persecution. If you read, I think it's Acts 17 or uh, 16, where they get dragged around and beaten up and thrown into prison. Come to find out they're Roman citizens and that probably shouldn't have happened. But they were together all at the same time, right? It's crazy. Timothy uh, was the third guy and he said Timothy of earlier, but it says Timothy was Paul's protege. He was a second generation Christian leader. And everything re- we read in Paul's letter to Timothy's letters to Timothy later, he did that without Paul. And we see just living with That kind of influence, how that changes you in the way that his ministry was. Because if you haven't read 1 and 2 Timothy, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of rules in there that churches still follow today. Leaders, elders, deacons. There's a lot of things that we follow through there. And it's important to know those things. (laughs) And so it says grace to you. Verse 2 says grace to you and peace from God our Father. Uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wrote in the opening letter, of the, in the opening of the first letter, this is where it comes together. Paul says, God, the father, grace and peace. Now he has changed that to reflect as their father, along with Paul and his crew. It is him recognized the church as a family in Christ. So when when you're baptized, when you give your life to Christ, we've talked about this. A couple of times, because Paul has talked about the abundance of people that you're now related to. Like, if you've been baptized, your family is huge. Some of us don't want to accept that. Like, there might be people, you can answer me this honestly, and you don't have to, but, I mean, have you ever thought about, like, I really don't want to share the gospel with that guy because I really don't want to spend the rest of eternity with him? Has that thought ever crossed anybody's mind? You're like there's a chance I could see this guy for eternity. Me neither, of course, but like, has it ever crossed your mind? Like, because those are our brothers in Christ, you have gone and been saved by faith, by grace through faith in Christ. You're going to spend eternity with these people. That's awesome. We have a big family, and so he goes. He goes into thanking him, right? And he t- he talks about it in verse three. He says. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. We're gonna, When I get to the end, we're going to go over our musts and we're going to talk about those a little bit more. But I wrote in here, just just hear me out. I wrote this down so I wouldn't mess it up. But I, wrote, I brag on you guys a lot. And I'm talking about you guys. Because I'm proud of the things... That you're doing. uh, The conversations you're willing to have and the questions you ask. And just being able to watch you guys grow in Christ as a family is amazing. Is that applicable to everybody? Like, do I mean every single person in here, even the people that struggle or even the people that are on the fence or even the people that have no want to be in here? You're here. 100%. If I've ever met you before, one, I have a terrible memory. Sorry, I probably can't remember your name. It's concussion protocol. I don't know. But if I've ever met you before, especially students, I try to interact with you because I'm excited for you. I'm excited that the attitudes and the mannerisms that you have. The goal is is that you leave here and you act the same. Most of you. Right? I want you to be Wednesday church person on Thursday morning. I want a cliche, but I want you to be on fire for Jesus every day. Am I? No, there's days I struggle. Do I try to get through? Do I spend my quiet time in prayer, read my Bible and try to muscle or push through the stress, depression or whatever I'm having that day? 100%. When I see another believer, another brother, another sister or an encourager, It helps. You see somebody, you pray for them, right? And you tell them, I mean, what's the the standard answer on Facebook? I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Do you actually pray for them? Probably 30% here probably say, yeah. That's the right answer. Like this is, like if you were to answer like this, I would believe you. If you were to go, yes, we probably should talk. Right? Because are we all one hundred percent of the time one hundred percent no it's a struggle every single day so that's why Paul's writing these letters to the the, the church of Thessalonica because of the the I don't want to say it like this but it's the truth because of the product they're producing because the love they're showing because the growth that they're going through the excitedness for these letters are different from the church or the letters that he sent to the Church of Corinth it's, these letters are different to the church of Philippi. Why, why? Like these are the only two letters that you find where Paul is like, y'all are awesome. Like, keep going. I want to come back. I want to check this place out. I've sent these people. These are the letters I send to you because I'm encouraged by you. We do an event. We have leaders or people show up or somebody that pours into us. There's a good chance they're probably going to get a handwritten note from me. Um, It might be misspelled, but that's not the point. Uh, Because written word is king, right? And so if it comes from me, it comes from my heart because I've got to write it on paper. And sometimes I have to write on a piece of paper. Then I'll write on the card so I don't mess it up. It's the truth. But this is a letter of encouragement. The second letter of Thessalonians is Paul gets deep and he's like, listen, you guys are awesome. Stay awesome. I brag about you everywhere I go. I tell other churches about you. Hey, you guys are doing great. This church in Thessalonica is pretty awesome. You should be like them. Is there anybody in your family, or you got a brother, a cousin, a sister, whatever, or your parents are like, I wish you were more like that person. Or like a teacher will go, you know what, put your hand down or you have a teacher that's like, I wish my class, I wish this class was like first period or second period or however many of those you have a day. And you're like, bro, I'm right here. Dude, we live that life. Have you ever had somebody come into you and be like, they see you and they see another person and they're like, they walk over and like, hey, I'm right here. Because they'd rather talk to that person. Because they like them more. This is Paul's attitude towards the church of Thessalonica. He says, Hey, be like them. Let me tell you why. And he says it again. He says, Verse three, he says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you. It's amazing. Brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and love, and love for every one of you for one another is increasing. When he says, brothers, as is right, he's talking about because we have to. It's not a lie. This is the truth. And so there's this dude. uh, He recently passed away. His name is Charles Spurgeon. I'm kidding. He's from the 1800s. But he was the prince of preachers is what they called him. This is what he wrote. and This is what he said. I, I saw this today, and it's pretty cool. And he says, by that means you are to grow. This is so with faith. Do all you can and then do a little more. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians a little bit more. And he says, and when you can do that, then do a little more Then you can. And he says, always have something in hand that is greater than your present capacity, grow up to it. And when you have grown up to it, grow some more. So Spurgeon's talking about never quit, right? So we're, uh, Mr. Chad talked about sanctification last week, and the week before, and probably the two weeks prior to that. And I think he opened with that. Um, and I'm guessing that next week's probably going to have some sanctification in, if I was guessing. So, who can tell me with all of the lessons we've gotten from Mr. Chad what sanctification means? What you got. Smalls, help them out. Uh, See, it. it's not hard. You can write it down so you don't remember. Okay, thanks, Chase. <laughs> growing in holiness. Can you grow if you just stand still? I know the answer. Yes. Can you grow? Uh, let's think about. This is in my notes, but I'm now I'm trying to think of something. So now I got to think about it. Okay. How about a tree? Okay, something else. That's terrible. We're talking about trees. So when you plant a tree, and that tree is, if that tree just grows up in the perfect environment, there's no wind, there's no rain, there's no, everything's perfect. Is that tree going to grow up? Probably. What happens when it gets its first wind? Shallow roots, it's never been tested. It falls down. So, when we grow in Christ, is it easy? We are we supposed to like expect comfort when we give our lives to Christ? I can tell you what verse five says. No, but are we supposed to expect comfort? No, we're supposed to grow, and we grow by getting better, by by braving the storm, by weathering things that affect us. We get stronger. For my for my athletes in here. What is it? Baseball season. Thank you for my, for my baseball players that are coming up to play. You're not going to be better if you don't practice. You're not going to be able to hit a ball if you don't go out there and practice. You're not gonna be able to catch a ball if you don't practice. Please practice because it looks terrible when you miss and it hit you in the face. It doesn't. It's hilarious. But If we don't put ourselves through those paces, we don't know. We got some wrestlers that just finished state. Those guys didn't not practice. Those guys probably practiced harder than any other school in the state, if I was guessing. It's probably pretty terrible at times. Um, I remember in high school, back in the 1900s, I played football, I played any sport I could, Uh, But I remember specifically football because we used to do two-a-days in the summer, and I lived in Cathedral City, California, and it was roughly 122 degrees in the morning in the desert. It's a dry heat, don't worry. But normally we would practice all morning. You would practice just after the sun came up, and then you would come back and you'd practice for two hours as the sun was going down to try to hold on to that 97-degree coolness. A lot of the times you spent your morning throwing up, a lot of the times you sweat sweat that you didn't have in your body at one point in the summer we were weighing ourselves so that we could replace the water that we had lost in the weight that we had lost during uh, practice. It, yeah, I don't know. But when you go to the game, when you go to a wrestling match, when you go to a baseball game, all these things that you've been through, you're conditioned for them. You've practiced, you've suffered through everything. And now you're performing. Well, there's suffrage that Paul talks about in our faith. Is it the same thing for us today in, in, in 2024? 2024, yeah, 2024? No. But we still face the same thing, right? So if we move into verse four, he says, Therefore, we ourselves boast about you, boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and your faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Turn to Acts 17, uh, 5. I'm going to read this. It's going to be 5 through, I believe, 7. Follow along with me if you will. So this is the persecution that Paul is facing in, in Thessalonica. And here we go. It says, But... The Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men uh of the rabble, they found a mob, set the city uh in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason. If you don't remember, Jason is the guy that was holding uh Silas and Paul as missionaries. And it says seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And then they drag, or, and then when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason, who has received them, Jason didn't do anything but receive them, sheltering them, come to the house, stay a while, have some barbecue, sleep over, be cool. And Jason, who received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. Well, we know it's the only king, right? And the people and the authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and they had uh, taken money as security from Jason, and the rest, they let them go. And so we see that kind of persecution that they went through, right? And so if they're willing to go through that, if you look in... uh, we talked about in the beginning in Acts 17, I think it's 17 or 18, where they go to jail. And he talks about uh, do you guys remember why they put them in jail? If you can answer this, I will give you nothing, but I will be impressed. Do you remember why they put them in jail? Gi- no, 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 no. What are you going to say? What did you say? Please, you have to... Hold on. If you know what they did, let me know. Okay. There was a specific reason why they went to jail. We could say preaching. They were casting out a demon. Right. Is That's what I'm doing here, I guess. This going to be a busy room, folks. But they were casting out a demon for the lady that was following behind them going, these are the men that are telling everybody about Jesus and salvation. And so they turned around and said... Get out of her. And so now this lady that was a moneymaker for some men turned on those two and put them in jail. Tore their clothes off. Beat them. Put them in jail. And then that leads to the rest of the story where they were in jail. They're singing hymns. That night there's an earthquake and their shackles fall away. They don't go anywhere. The guard's like, everybody's gone. I'm going to kill myself. And they're like, hold up. Wait a minute. We're still here. And then they converted the guard and his family. They faced that persecution. The, the no clock back there is killing me. And so if we, move it, if we move into verse number 5, this is where it gets a little... This is gonna, so this is going to lead up to what Mr. Chad's is talking about next week. Because verse 5 and 6 are actually one verse. And then the next... I think four or five sets of verses are the same way where it's verses, but it's a long sentence. I had one commentary that said the first 12 verses of this letter was just one run along or yeah, run on paragraph. So verse five reads like this. It says this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. Remember that that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. Remember that for which you are also suffering. So let's talk about the righteous judgment of God. You guys know what a, a Lexum a research commentary is? Me neither before today. But here we go. And so I, I, was, I, I typed this into my, uh, my fancy computer, and this is what it came up with. And it's from this thing, the Lexum research uh, commentary, which I found was very uh, apparently important. But it says the uh, righteous judgment of God comes from, make sure I read that right. Right, so the righteous judgment of God refers to. The legal decision made by God, not condemnation from God. The persecution endured by the Thessalonians is not the result of God's condemnation. <coughs> Excuse me, rather their endurance. Uh, or rather, their endurance will result in God's counting them worthy of his kingdom. Paul describes God's decision as righteous because it is right and just. Evidence of the righteous judgment of God. It's a lot of words. What does it mean? So you've given your life to Christ. You've been baptized in the bathwater across the street or whatever church you got baptized in. Will there be marks on your life? If that's you, is there a mark on your life that people know? Not just the fact that you got a cool certificate and a gigantic Bible, which I hope most of you are using. Is there marks on your life? Can you tell somebody has been saved? Look, look at your neighbor. Look, like, seriously, look at your neighbor. Like, hey, neighbor, what's up, neighbor? Like, look at your neighbor. Can you tell if that person has been saved? Can you tell if that person has been baptized? If that person's given their life to Christ? What do do? I can probably tell you no, because it's hard. How many of you keep your faith a secret? Be honest. Appreciate you. One honest person in the room. I like it. Why is it so hard to share your faith? Because what? That's right. Because you're scared. Because fear. Fear's a killer. Fear's a liar. That could be a good song. Yeah, that would be a great song. I know, I know, I'm not that old, right? So when he, when he talks about, so when he says here, he says, Paul describes God's decision as righteous because it is right and just evidence of the righteous judgment of God. He's talking about, I can see the evidence of God's judgment on you because you're persevering through it. Everything you've gone through, the uh, the persecution, the the names, the beatings, the closing down of the church, I'm sure, You're still faithful. Not only are you faithful, you're growing. We talked about it in the very beginning about when the church is persecuted, the church has a tendency to grow bigger. Anybody have any theories on that? Like the legit, this is an honest question. Anybody know why that might happen? Yes, ma'am. Let's go. That's Island. She's my daughter's friend. First time here. What's up? So good job. I hope you're not embarrassed if you are, but then so what? Um, So what you said was because when the people are getting persecuted, are you, did I, let me know if I say this right. When people are being, when the church is being persecuted, more people know about it, which causes them to grow in their faith. Something like that. Who agrees with her? it's hundred percent correct there was a and I, I really 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 wish I'd written it down but I'm gonna try to paraphrase and I'm probably gonna tear it up um, I was reading earlier and the guy was talking about oh it was the it was the video that I sent to, to mr. Chad and he talks about young people today are defying culture you're the young people of today you're defying the culture the common culture well the common culture is not jesus christ the common culture for the 52 kids that are in here might be but the common culture outside those double doors is not the common culture inside of your school is not Those are the marks that Paul is talking about. The evidence on your life that Christ is in your life is that you're faithful, not just inside here, but outside those double doors. Inside the double doors of your school, inside anywhere you're sharing the gospel. That's where it comes from. God doesn't condemn him. He he doesn't condemn them. He's marking them for perseverance, for pushing through the persecution because they're children of God, as Paul stated in the opening, our God, not just God, the father and the son, Jesus Christ, our father. (laughs) So the kingdom of God, or we'll, we'll go back. John 524 reads like this. It says, truly, truly, I say to you whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Uh, awesome. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. The kingdom of God. Look at Romans fourteen seventeen. I'll get there and I'll read it to you. But um, fourteen seventeen reads like this. It says, "For." Make sure that's right because I got two highlights. Fourteen seventeen says, "For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but." of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He talks about at the end of verse 5 where he says... I uh, don't you know why I'm bringing notes up here. He talks about the end of verse 5 and he says... Um, give me one sec. He says, This is the evidence of the righteousness the judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. And if you read... Uh, That passage one more time where it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The next. Six verses. We talk about hell. We talk about fire. We talk about condemnation. Paul specifically says that you haven't been condemned by God. You've been marked by him for your suffering. You're worthy of the kingdom of God, which is awesome. Right? And so we need that timer fixed. And so uh, Romans 14, 17, we read that and it says, so here's my three takeaways. And I wrote, here's my three musts. And I'm going to rip through this because I've got some pretty big sections of scripture that I want you guys to remember, and you can write these down, you don't have to go to it, Uh, but I'm going to read them from my paper here, uh, because I would never get to them in time. But here it is, my three we musts. First one is we must continue to grow our faith in others. My second one is we must have abounding love for each other. My third one is we must have the patience and faith in all persecutions and tribulations. Here's the first one again. It says, we must continue to grow in faith in others. And it says, how it says, read your Bible, not only read, but study, pray to God to strengthen that relationship with your heavenly father by conversation and faithfulness by encouraging people, by inviting them to church, letting them know you're praying for them and then actually pray for them. Okay. So I got to tell the story. I'm sorry, Ms. Chad, if I hose it up, but I got to tell it because it's awesome. Um, so Mr. Chad was, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase this as best I can. So there's a lady that works with Mr. Chad, and every day he says hi to her, and she doesn't respond normally, right? She's like, yeah, what's up, dog? And um, nothing real personal. And then one day Chad decides, I'm going to meet that lady. And so he, ooh, this made me think of another story that's pretty good, too, about Walmart. It's cool. But so he catches up to her, and he talks to her, and he says, how are you doing? And she says, not good. I've got to go be with somebody to help him recover. And so she say, Mr. Chad goes, Let me pray for you. And so he takes down the gentleman's name. He takes down her name and then he's praying for them in the morning or whenever his quiet time is. Right. And so she comes back to work and he walks in and he's like, hey, I remember Frank. What? He said, hey, how's Fred? And it blew this lady's mind. She started bawling, right? How do you remember that? Because you're having a conversation with your heavenly father about somebody's health. Because now you have a personal relationship with that lady, that man, that student, that kid, that grandma, that grandpa, that mother, that father, that whatever. You are now connected to them. You've prayed for them. I have a book I keep in my back pocket, this one. It's my prayer book. I had to replace it because Miss Jessie didn't empty my pockets one day and ruin the other one. It's okay. But I have some prayers in here. Let's see who I have in here. I have Miss Rhonda Flanagan. Miss Rhonda Flanagan, uh, my brother and his ministry and uh, Caden, is going into the Air Force. And I prayed for him because I'm excited that he's doing it. But I also prayed for safety. I have a connection with those people. I pray for them. And so when that first must, it says, we must do that. By encouraging people, by inviting them to church, letting them know you're praying for them and then actually praying for them. I want everyone, of you, I, I, maybe this doesn't work in your brain, but it will mine. I want everyone of you to think of one single person that is not sitting next to you or that your friend here in church that you should have, not could have, but should have invited tonight. I'm sure some of y'all are come with some people. Second one is we must have abounding love for each other. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. I'm I'm cruising, I promise. I got one more, I promise. 22, 34 through 40, reads like this. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him the question to test him. Some of you guys might know where I'm going with this. 36 says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the the law? And he said to him, this is Jesus now. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Uh, Awesome. Verse 38 reads like this. It says, this is the great and first commandment and a second, not the second he didn't. So he's comparing. He says a second that a in there is important because he doesn't say one and two. He says, and a second that puts for me, that puts that commandment on the same level of the first commandment. And he says, and a second is like it. Interesting. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. We must have abounding love for each other. If you have Jesus in your life and you love him, he is the center of your world. Highly recommend that he is. He's the center of your world and he gets all of your love. Look at the person next to you and share the same love with them. Mr. Chad talked about a kiss last week and I said, nope. That looks different today. Context is key, right? And so back in the day, that was normal. It's still done in some European countries. That's why I won't leave America. It's the only reason, because <laughs> I'm afraid somebody's going to attack me with some smooches. Big deal. But I'm on guard. But it's nothing. I, 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 I probably know what you're going to say. Um, but I want you guys to think about that. Look at the person next to you. Look at the person across from you. Look at the person behind you. Love that person like you would le- love Jesus. It's great that some of you guys find it humorous, but it's the truth, right? And so the last one is this. This is my last we must, and I've got two verses to get through. But it says, we must have patience, I'm lacking sometimes, and faith in all persecutions and tribulations. It's going to happen. This is is what I wrote. It's going to happen. Living in a godly manner isn't popular, and people attack what they don't know every single day. Somebody in my office says something terrible. And you're like, that's not how any of this works. Go scroll through Facebook. Have a ball. You'll see it. Somebody wrote earlier, and this isn't in there, but I just thought about it as we're talking. Like I said, smooth brain. Um, She wrote uh, something about, I don't, just because you have this something doesn't mean I have to believe in your gods and I wanted to respond and I was like there's only one like it's not plural it's just one but I didn't because you know what I did the right thing scrolled past take notes kids but it says it's going to happen living in a godly manner isn't popular and people attack what they don't know some of you have probably experienced that but Matthew five eleven reads like this he said blessed are those sorry blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you Falsely on my account. Side note, there's a bunch of this in the New Testament and the four Gospels about being reviled and persecuted, but I use this one because he specifically talked about bad things saying to you. Because that's probably what you face now. For the most part. But in verse 12 it says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heavens. for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's still applicable today. February 21st, my man, 2024. Last verse I got is 1 Peter 4.14. He says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. What? Because the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. There's your mark. Somebody busts on you because they think that you're a godly person. They say, Well, what would would you do in that or whatever the case? You're marked. You have what he was talking about in verse 5. You've been, with your persecution, you've been marked for the kingdom of God. You're worthy of the kingdom of God. That's great news. So what do you do? You persevere. You get through it. You lean on that love, that growing abundantly love from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Those three must are important. We must love. We must grow. We must be patient. Some of those we struggle with, but it's like an awesome trifecta, right? So as we close out tonight, I want you guys to think about that. Like, who is somebody that you could love more? Who is somebody that you need to be patient with? I've seen some of your prayer cards. I feel bad for your brothers and sisters. Please, for the ones of you that want to murder them, don't. Um, Now I'm a criminal. What is it? I'm I'm now an accessory to a murder if you follow through with it because I've read it. So let's not follow through with those. Um, For those that that ask about curbing my mouth, my talk, be growing in the faith, here's your directions. There's adults in the room that would love to talk to you about it. And I will say, if you're questioning things, I'm proud of you. If you're wrestling with things, I'm proud of you. If there's something that's constantly nagging on your mind about your faith, I'm proud of you. Because those are the things that we're supposed to go through. Because if I don't, I'm not growing. I've been saved. I got washed in the bathwater. Good to go. It's not how it works. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today to say thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity this evening. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the guidance you give us uh, from thousands of years ago that's still applicable today. Lord, we love you. Tonight, I just ask if there's anybody in the room who's got any questions, That they just reach out. Just ask the question. Be brave. Be bold. Face the persecution. Be patient. We love you. your Jesus' name we pray. Amen.